Hello. There you go. I'm on, right? All right. So, good morning, Stonebridge. For those that may not know me, really, <laughs> morning, Dad. Uh, so, my name is Greg Picklab. I am now a past elder here at Stonebridge Church. Uh, for those that have seen me before sermon up here preaching, I apologize in advance, and the doors are now locked, so there is no way out of here. Uh, today we're going to be walking through 1 Timothy again, uh, and, and one of the questions I usually get, or got, when I was an elder was, how do we come up with a series? How do we come up with a preaching series? How do we, how do we work on our message as a church? And, and it is a very, very faith-based system of where we just throw it up on the dartboard and we just throw things until it hits something and then we just go with it. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. What we do is Matt brings us an outline and we as elders bring the message of what we are hearing from you as members of Stonebridge Church and what we as elders are experiencing ourselves. So what I mean by that is, is the struggles that we hear about, the, the questions that are getting passed on to us, the, the things that we're seeing on the news. What are we seeing in the world that we think needs attention? And this can be done months in advance. So what I am talking about today was decided months ago. But I will tell you from personal experience, time and again, I have been awed by seeing how God works through us in setting the schedule, because every single time, it is something that we need to be talking about. So today we are talking First Timothy. This is something that we are struggling with in the world today. This is something you're probably struggling with yourselves, and this is something that was decided months ago, but God's wisdom decided that now is the time to be talking about it. So uh, open your Bibles to First Timothy 2.1 and 2.2 is what we're going to be covering today, your phone, your apps, your, your old-fashioned print systems. Um, let me, let me give you some context here. So we're walking through Timothy, and what is happening is, is that Paul is writing letters to Timothy explaining issues that are facing the church. And Timothy is not just leading a small community-based church, like think Stonebridge. Timothy is in what we now call Turkey, which is a major, major area of the Roman Empire of the time. And the major Roman Empire of the time is it's, Christianity is a new faith, He's leading a young, new faith. He's planting churches. He's helping Paul, a minister. And he's, we're talking a footprint of maybe possibly hundreds of small churches across what is now Turkey. This is what Timothy is being instructed to help with. So the context I want you to keep in mind is that Paul is writing to Timothy to help him administer to not just one church, but hundreds possibly of churches across what is now Turkey. And that is very, very beneficial to what we are facing today, because here on July 2nd, what are we all doing this weekend? Fourth of July. We are celebrating the Fourth of July. We are celebrating the birth of our nation. We are celebrating the government that we enjoy, all the benefits of being Americans, right? And we will find in this verse that we are talking about authority and respect and trying to navigate it as Christians in today's world. So you will find that it is very relevant on this segment that we're going to be focusing on of what Paul and Timothy were trying to navigate 2,000 years ago. So let's read through here real quick. First of all, then I urge that petitions, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for everyone, for kings and those who are in authority, so that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. 
Last week, Matt was covering the good fight, which if you haven't heard it, I urge you to go back and hear it. It is a very great piece and a great review of the sermon, and it's fight the good fight. So we go from fight the good fight to my segment today of pray for all those in authority, okay? And it's very, very beneficial of what I'm talking about today and what we're celebrating this weekend because when I speak of authority, I'm not just speaking of authority in government. I'm speaking of authority of here at church. Last week, we held our members meeting, and Dave, there you go, Dave Niebel. I will happily announce right now that Dave Niebel was elected as our new incoming elder and officially started his service yesterday on July 1st. There you go. So when I'm speaking of authority, authority usually, people usually go to what? Government, law enforcement, your boss, things like that. I'm talking authority as in a broad term. Authority as in, yes, government, but also your church leadership, your ministry leaders, the people that are stepping up to help spread the gospel in the community as we speak. Those also are people of authority, and they deserve the same respect and guidance and prayer that we are talking about today. So... Here we are in 1 Timothy 2, 1, 2, 2, urging petitions, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving. Am I advocating that we always defer to authority, period? Absolutely not. Please don't take it like that. Please do not think I am telling you to always assume to be sub subvert. trying to think of the term. Submissive, thank you. Do not be submissive to all types of authority regardless of what it is. If it's not godly, it is not biblical. You do not need to do it. However, there are many types of ways to be respectful and still be a biblical follower of Christ. So authority is a broad term like I mentioned, but authority has been done by people, and people are messy. People are messy. People do not communicate well. People have trouble connecting with other human beings on different wavelengths. People will make things messy in how they do authority. It's how we live and breathe. I'm, I'm assuming every single one of you in this place today do not agree with 100% of what is happening with your elected leaders. Getting a lot of head nods. I'm assuming some of you do not agree what's happening in your own household with your struggles. I'm assuming some things are not agreed with authority in your own families. I'm assuming things are being of issues that you are seeing in just your place of work you do not agree with. All of those are issues that we face day-to-day -day basis. Now, prayerful support and civil opposition are not connected, okay? You can do one and still be doing the other one. The thing to keep in mind about this is, is that being biblical and being faithful and following Christ is the primary mission of us as being called to the faith. So, example of Joseph, going back to Genesis even. Joseph was elevated from a lowly slave and in prison for false accusations, and he was elevated by Pharaoh to help save that nation. He did not renounce his faith. He did not renounce anything. He was just elevated by Pharaoh because God gave him the ability to connect and provide the guidance to save the nation of Egypt. Daniel is another example. He had three friends thrown into the fire because they would not kneel to the king for his false idolship. And the king, in his fury, threw them into the fire where God protected them and brought them back. Daniel himself was a target of this. He did not obey or disobey God. He disobeyed his king by continuing to pray even though a law had been passed that that cannot happen. And his angry 
fellow advisors, the jealous people in the court were the ones that targeted him, and he followed God and was gifted safety in the lion's den and brought back out again. All are examples of people that are serving, who remain loyal to God, who continue to serve God even when it's trying and even in different ways of governments when they may not agree with it 100%. So looking through 1 Timothy here 2.1, I want you to look at this. Petitions, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings. Now, most of you are probably thinking, you, you blow right past it. What are the four things? What Timothy is being told here is that there are four ways to pray. Literally four ways that you can pray for those in authority and leadership and ways you can help pray for them to Christ. You have petitions, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings. And four are completely different, but it's a la carte. He's basically saying that, listen, if you can't do A, you can do B, C, and D. If you can't do, a, you can't do B, then you can do A, C, and D. There is no reason you should not be praying for the people in authority and leadership over you. There is something you can be praying for regardless. So we'll start here with petitions. A form of prayer where the individual asks for the needs and desires to be fulfilled. This is usually the easy go-to thing of, I, Lord, I really could use this promotion at work. Lord, I, I, I need guidance. Lord, I need, I need help with this situation. Those are usually the go-to things that people do on a day-to-day -day basis because of their internal specific struggles. And then you have prayers, a type of prayer where individuals express their love, reverence, devotion. It's, the best example I can give you is what we just did here this morning so far is worship, when Josh and the worship team was up here today, leading us in just reverence and prayer to him, the Almighty, of what he is doing through us. And then we have intercessions. You're interceding for someone. You're, you're interceding for a friend. You're interceding for a family member, for health, for struggles, for their children. You're interceding and praying on their behalf. Okay? And the thing I want to emphasize is you're also praying for your enemies. The people that have irritated you and infuriated you and caused you pain on this planet, and you're still praying for them because why not? You should be. And then lastly, you have Thanksgiving. And I'm not talking about the Thanksgiving of pumpkin pie and turkey and mashed potatoes where everyone comes around the table and prays and, and everyone's stuffing themselves regardless. I'm talking about Thanksgiving where individuals express their thanks and appreciation for the blessings they have received. And this one, speaking from personal experience, is the hardest for me. This one is the one where I have trouble being appreciative of everything God has done for me. And what I mean by that is, how many times have you been prayerful, thankful for something good that's happened to you? Me. You know, I'm thankful. I, 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 you know, thank the Lord for this blessing. It's glorious. I love it. It's beneficial to me. It's great. How many of you have not prayed for the struggles you faced when the negative things happen? Because again, God is still with you and God still has you on the path. And I, especially me, have had trouble thinking of why is God doing this to me right now with these struggles, with these things. And then six years later, I find out that is why. God doesn't give you immediate answers sometimes, but the path that he's laid out for you and the timing is there for you during these struggles is still a blessing. You may face struggles tomorrow morning 
that you might not know why the blessing's been given to you until seven years later. But it's still Thanksgiving. It's still a time of reflection. It's still times you should be thanking God for giving you the ability to endure and get to where you are that, that, at that time. So we are talking about petitions, prayers, intercession, thanksgivings, heavy, weighty stuff, right? But I'm talking about things dealing with conflict, too, because, again, we are celebrating the birth of our nation this weekend. And we as Americans are what? We love authority. We love being told what to do. We love the fact being that we, are, we have somebody over us telling we cannot do this and do this. You cannot shoot fireworks, but you can shoot fireworks during this time. You cannot drive on this side of the road. You cannot go any faster than this. You cannot eat that because it has high cholesterol, and that is dangerous. I'm sorry, but I have many, many friends that I would tell that to or say that to, and they'll be like, hashtag America. America. They don't do that because they don't want to do that. They don't do that because they don't feel they should do that. They don't do that because they're Americans, and Americans hate authority, period. We were founded as a nation rebelling and dumping tea into a harbor and basically ruining the entire ecosystem of the Boston Harbor for decades to come. But you know what? We're good. <laughs> but the thing about this is, is that even as Americans, even as what we do on a day-to-day basis, our country's history is, yes, based on conflict and rebellion, but it's also based on forgiveness, love, and respect to authority. And we see that in the Bible as well. We have examples throughout the Bible of conflict in families, in tribes, in nations, in governments, in every way you can think of, there is conflict, but there's also forgiveness and love and prayer towards each other. Ephesians 4.32, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another, just as God also forgave you in Christ. Matthew 18, 21, 22. Then Peter approached him and asked, Lord, how many times must I forgive my brother and sister who sins against me? As many as seven times? I tell you, not as many as seven, Jesus replies, but 70 times seven. All right, thanks. Could you do that if asked? The worst person you've had an experience with in your entire life and being told that, that you should forgive them 70 times seven. And then Luke 23, 34. And then Jesus said, Father, forgive them because they do not know what they are doing as they divided his clothes and cast lots. Authority is to be respected and it's to be given prayerful guidance by yourselves regardless of who that person is. They might not do everything you want them to do, but you should be praying for them every single day regardless of what they are or who they are. Now, I started with our history of a country and hashtag America and how we don't like doing things that we want, don't want to do, but our history is littered with examples of exactly people doing things that they are unequal to in times of call for. But they were called to do it just the same, and they were called to do it, and they were called to do it through the faith. And we'll give you examples up here. So my first example is this, very famous painting. July 2nd, Declaration of Independence is passed. And right now, several of you are saying, Greg, you're an idiot because it's not July 4th yet. This is July 2nd. This is when they actually passed the Declaration of Independence. So July 2nd, today, 1776, these 50-odd people are sitting around a room in Philadelphia passing the Declaration of Independence and putting their names on the death warrant if they fail. And these three guys up front here, you have 
John Adams, Thomas Jefferson, and Benjamin Franklin, three of the most famous founding fathers. All three flawed men. John Adams spent years away from his family, serving his country overseas, lost a daughter, stillborn, lost another daughter later in life due to cancer, lost a son due to alcoholism. He still was this, and he was one of the most faithful Christian faith members in the Continental Congress. Thomas Jefferson, slave owner, wrote the Declaration of Independence, very, very well respected. And then Benjamin Franklin, very famous scientist, very famous ambassador that helped win the war for us with the overseas help, adulterer. He's got a son that's not, not, not from his wed wife. Every one of them did remarkable things, and every one of them should have been people pray for him, even with their flaws. The next slide I have up here is this one. It's Civil War. I got to do something Civil War for July 2nd. So on this one here, it's the Battle of Gettysburg. 1863, second day of Battle of Gettysburg. Battle is going terrible for the Union Army. They are getting pounded. They have been fighting a losing battle for 36 hours. And in this case here, this is a painting of what's happening on July 2nd. Those guys coming are the bad guys. Those are the Confederate Army. Over 1,800 guys coming at them. And the Union Army is on the run. There is nobody left to fight where they are attacking. If they lose this, they are going to lose the battle in the war. The guys you see coming is the first Minnesota. And it's 260-odd guys being told to charge them to buy time to save the position. 262 people versus 1,800. And they did it. They were called to do it, and they did it. And they saved the position, and they saved the battle, and they saved the country. Now, those 262 guys luckily left a very recorded history with their letters home. They were preserved in, their, in Minnesota at the State Museum, and their letters home are littered with references to faith and Christ being called for to save their country, and they willingly did it, and they went into the fire and saved the nation that they went to fight for. 262 guys go in, less than 40 comes out. The, last, the, sec, the third slide I have up here is this one, very famous picture of the Civil Rights Act being signed in July 2nd, 1864. Sorry, 1964. Over 100 years later, after the Battle of Gettysburg, this is Martin Luther King receiving one of the pens for the Civil Rights Act being signed. Martin Luther King Jr. is being feted and uh, basically celebrated because, because of his nonviolent actions and his leadership got this signed almost 100 years after the end of the Civil War. And the guy, signing, and the guy handing that pen is President Lyndon B. Johnson, who at one time was a recognized racist congressman from Texas who swore he would never support that. And then the last slide here is something you probably have no idea what it's about, but you probably know some of the people in it. This up here is something for a signing of a bill called PREFAR, government acronyms. You've got to love them. I was in uh, D.C. at a conference last month, and we had a congresswoman come to us and speak to us about PREFAR. And what it is, it's a program that was signed back in 2003 to government aid from the U.S. to Africa to supply HIV medications to the continent free of charge. And remember, this is 2003, two years after 9-11. Depths of the, the Iraq war had just started. Governments, our government was in turmoil, national security, Democrats, Republicans hate each other, everything's going on. If you look in this picture, George W. Bush, Republican president, is shaking hands with now President Joe Biden, who supported the bill. 
Behind him is John Kerry, who later ran against George Bush and lost presidency against him. If you look behind him to the left, right there is Mike Pence, who is a former congressman from Indiana and now the VP of, was the former VP, now running for president himself. You have Democrats, Republicans across the aisle, everywhere, signing and celebrating, saving over 25 million lives in Africa with this bill. And they are doing it because they are leaders and that's what they're supposed to be doing, but you should be praying for every single one of them regardless of what they're doing today because they have saved literally millions of lives with their actions. So, I am going through this and I'm saying, first of all, Back to 1 Timothy, I urge petitions, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for everyone, for kings and those here in authority, so that we may lead tranquil and quiet lives in all godliness and dignity. So I, I will ask you this. How do you pray? Do you pray for your loved ones, for your family and friends? You should be nodding your heads, yes. Are you praying for people that you work with, people that are struggling, people that you're being called to help with? Do you pray for them? Should be nodding again. Do you pray for your enemies? Your enemies that are in positions of authority that you may disagree with, that you may not like, but are still in positions of authority. Are you praying for them? Because you should as well. Are you praying for opposite sides of the political aisle? Are you praying for those that have hurt you in the past? Are you praying for family members that are calling out for help but are refusing your earthly help, but you're still praying for them regardless? My point I'm trying to make is you should be praying for everybody. And our world, don't get me wrong, is a very divisive place. Our world thrives on conflict. Our world is designed here on earth to drive conflict, to drive agendas. And you need no other example of that of already seeing your TVs with a, and your social media accounts right now with, social, with uh, political ads already starting up for 2024. You're already seeing it. Do you want to vote for this person? Vote for this person. Taxes are too high. Vote for this person. This judge did this thing. Vote them out. Regardless of what they are doing, regardless of what you're being told, be praying for everybody because that is the most powerful thing you can do. And I use it as an example of if something tragic happens on the news and you see it, what is the first thing that usually gets put up on social media and comments? Thoughts and prayers. If nothing else, you can be praying for that person. Before any donations need to be given, before you yourself have to land down there to help with a, with a disaster, the first thing you can be doing with instantly knowing about it is praying. Praying for those in authority, praying for the victims, praying for everybody. So, we should be praying for everybody, but do we? And the answer is no. And that's a hard thing to do, because we don't like being wrong. If someone hurts us, if someone, if someone dings us, if someone hurts us in positions of authority, whether it's the government, the church, uh, someone off the street, a coworker, they deserve to be gotten back, right? They deserve what's coming to them. That is how our society is driven and how our society works on their, on their messaging today. And we as followers of Christ are not supposed to be designed that way. I'm not saying that sometimes we don't fall into that trap, but what I'm telling you is it's not something we should be doing. We should be praying for someone even if they hurt us the day before. If they hurt us the day before, respond with a prayer. 
If someone argues with you and disagrees with you and humiliates you, respond with a prayer. Now, the transition to solutions might not happen here, but the glory you will get on the other side magnifies massively what you did. And you lead by example. If you lead by example by doing such things, then what does that make you? That makes you positions of authority. As followers of Christ, you have authority in those situations to lead. So going back to 1 Timothy here, first of all, then, I urge that petitions, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for everyone. But what about the second verse? For kings and all those in authority, so that we may, may lead tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. See, what's, what's happening here is that Paul is telling Timothy is, yes, be doing one, because number two is the result of that. And remember what I said at the very beginning of this for the context. This is the Roman Empire. This is a relatively tranquil time for early Christian churches because no one really knows what's going on yet. In, in government authority areas, it's kind of considered an offshoot of Judaism, right? So there's not really a lot of fear yet. There's a lot of unknowing. There's a lot of, uh, you know, what is this thing? And what's happening is, is that Paul is saying, pray for everyone. Pray for Caesar, Pray for your local governor. Pray for your local elected officials. Pray for them. Let them know that we do, do not follow them as a faith. Because Caesar at this time was elevated to godhood. If you were Roman, you, you, you followed Caesar. You prayed to Caesar. Caesar got thanked for everything. Early Christians, of course, could not do that. So they, they, what Paul was saying was, pray for them, but stay faithful. Show them we are no threat. And sadly, that was not the result of what happened, because later, not very far into the future, Paul is later put to death by Nero, and the persecution of the first churches begin. But the advice is still there. Be praying for everybody, regardless of what they are, because that is what we're supposed to be doing. Now, verse 2 of what happens here, for kings and those in authority, so that we, we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. As Christians, we should not be asking for any favoritism. And sometimes that's, that's kind of radical when it comes out here, but not be asking for any favoritism from government, authorities, civil governments, whatever. But we also don't want to be, don't get in our way. Don't put up barriers that stops us from, are trying to stop us from spreading the gospel, because that's what we're called to do. You know, we don't want special treatment, but we want to be left alone to do what we can do best, and that is spreading the gospel. And if you look at it this way, just go to our website and you will see the things that we are doing. Rock the Block, that was announced by Stacy up here earlier. Okay, Josh had up here a whole list of things for the, for the youth group. Our, our fall series is already being discussed here at the church as well. Our men's series, our women's series, our retreats, all that stuff that's happening is, needs to happen because that is what we're supposed to do to spread in the gospel. What we want is prayerful to authority to have tranquil and quiet life and godliness and dignity. And what he's talking about is prayerful. Be prayerful. Be praying for authority to have quietness in your homes and your families and your, and your earthly lives so you can be prayerful to everybody and spread the gospel like we're supposed to be doing. So, authority, as we've touched on, is a very broad term. So what I'm calling you to do after, this, after the day is go out for the 4th of July, have your barbecues, be thinking, do what you, what you normally do, what you're probably looking forward to doing, 
but also be prayerful of the people around you, your enemies, those in authority, the president of the United States that might be a different political party, the governor of your state that might be a different, different, uh, different political party, your neighbors, your friends, um, somebody that's open sinful, but you should be praying for them anyway. That is a celebration too. And it, does not, it is not as loud as fireworks and it's not as noisy and dirty, but it is a celebration and it should be celebrated and excited and you should be doing it every single day, just not on special holidays. So, talking about your prayers, talking about your enemies, talking about your friends, but I want to circle back and finish with this. If you are prayerful, you're praying for everybody in authority, and very much so be praying for everyone that you know that has authority, which is everybody in some capacity. In ministry, Pastor Matt, the elders, the new elders, the former elders, the people up here preaching every Sunday, the people up here in worship every Sunday, the people at the back on the box doing all our sound stuff. Everyone is in authority and doing a ministry should be receiving your prayers. Now, I know it's hard. I know it's something that it's not built into our DNA, and it's not built into our DNA politically as Americans as well, but again, it's something we need to be doing. I'm not saying that you have to agree with the person. I'm not saying you have to have kumbaya and photos and social media. But what I'm telling you is, is that it can be a very small step to that person, but it's a very powerful step to you be praying for that person, even if they don't know it. So, in closing, this is our temporary home, right? And our worship there. God be magnified in one of the songs we sang. This is our mission here on this earth. In small ways and big ways, but that's what we should be doing. Now, we could be called home today, tomorrow, Tuesday, September 22nd. We don't know. But when that time comes, I want you to be thankful that you did it and be thankful that you did it when you were called to do it. I'll close you in prayer.